Well, during vacation, I picked up a book entitled Faith 42, the rest of the Jackie Robinson story. And it's about the role of the Christian faith that played in the lives of both Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey as they integrated Major League Baseball. Both men shared a wonderful bond as brothers in Jesus Christ that enabled them to overcome the virulent racism that they faced. Uh, Ricky, who was part owner and the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, was opposed by every other major league owner. Can you imagine that? And you know that Jackie Robinson was despised and hated by millions of Americans who attacked him with vicious taunts and with death threats. And yet both accomplished what Ricky described as the great experiment because of their Christianity. Uh, both were raised by devout Christian mothers in the church. Uh, both became Sunday school teachers. In fact, uh, Robinson always got the worst and difficult boys because he wanted to mentor them. Both believed that God had uh, called them with a special calling to integrate America, and both repeatedly found strength in their relationship with God to triumph over the onslaught of hate. Do you know it is safe to say that the civil rights movement was born out of and sustained by the Christian church? Think about that this morning. The civil rights movement in this country, it is safe to say, was born out of and sustained by the Christian church. Uh, whenever the Dodgers would play in very hateful cities, black pastors would encourage their members to go to the games so he would be supported. In fact, they would let their members out early in order to go to the games. Now, you know that's a movement of God, don't you? Martin Luther King Jr., when he was introduced as the founder of the Civil Rights Movement, said, no, I am not. Jackie Robinson is. And when his ball-playing career was over, Robinson preached sermons in which he said the church was the key to racial reconciliation. And he was exactly right. And the reason he was right is because of the passage that I want us to return to again this morning, Ephesians chapter 2. And a few weeks ago, we began this passage with a message entitled, The Church is the New Humanity. And you may recall that there's one question we have as we come to Ephesians 2, why is the church the new humanity? That's our question this morning. Now, the first answer we saw is because everybody can belong. But now today we want to come to the second answer, and that is because we are new humanity because we have received two reconciliations. Not one, but two. Follow along in your Bibles as I read from verse 14 down to verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 2. And notice what God's Word says. For He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, normally when we see the word reconcile in our Bibles, we think of our restored relationship with God. That's the vertical reconciliation with the Lord. But I want you to notice that here we are also told that we are restored in a, in a relationship with other believers. That's the horizontal reconciliation. And both are true. And we know from our Bibles that the vertical with God is the basis for the horizontal with other believers. So what should Paul do in this passage? Well, he should start with the vertical, shouldn't he? And then move to the horizontal. But he starts with the horizontal and he moves then to the vertical. Well, why does he do that? Well, it's very clear, isn't it? He's emphasizing the church. He wants us to see that this beautiful relationship that we have with God as believers leads to a beautiful relationship with one another in the church. Did you know that the word brothers, which in the New Testament means brothers and sisters, is the most common word for Christians in the New Testament? So what is that emphasizing? It's emphasizing the church. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. No believer is an island unto that person's self. We are never detached or disjointed from one another, but we have two new relationships. Now what I want to do is deal with both of these in the reverse that we are normally used to. I want to look at the vertical first in verses 16 to 18, and then we'll back up and look at the horizontal in verses 14 to 15. So let's notice the vertical first, all right? Christ has reconciled believers to God. Christ has reconciled believers to God. Look at verse 16 and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby destroying the hostility. How has God done this? Well, the Bible's telling us, isn't it? He did it through the cross. Say, the cross was absolutely necessary, wasn't it? Absolutely necessary. And the reason is given in verse 15 it's because the law of commandments expressed in ordinances was against us. None of us could keep God's law. And because we broke God's law, God was hostile to us. You may have noticed that twice in this passage the word hostility occurs. Verse 14 and verse 16. And in verse 16 it is God's hostility to us. By the way, that's hard for us to get our minds around, isn't it? That God is hostile to us. But it must be in our natural condition. It must be because our sins are an offense to His holy and pure nature. And if God did not hate sin, which comes from sinners, 
He would not be God. But now the Bible is telling us that Christ in His cross has made all of the difference in that hostility. One of my favorite images of the cross is found in Colossians 2 verse 14. And here's what the Bible says. God has canceled the record of debt that was against us in legal demands. And how has he done that? He has nailed it to the cross, taking it out of the way. I love that image of the cross. God has canceled the record of debt that was against us in legal demands. And how has he done that? He has nailed it to the cross and taken it out of the way. Can we say amen this morning for the cross? Amen for the cross. And now notice, because of that, the hostility is over verse 16. Because God's justice has been satisfied, His hostile opposition to us is now over. By the way, what a beautiful way to say it here. Jesus killed the hostility. By being killed on the cross, Jesus killed the hostility. One Bible teacher has put it this way, Christ in his death was slain, but the slain became a slayer. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But isn't that a beautiful mouthful? Christ in his death was slain, but the slain became a slayer. He slew the sin, and now the hostility with God is over. And believers now have peace with God as a father, not as a judge. Look at verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit, no longer to a judge, but to the Father. Uh, this word reconcile in verse 16 is a beautiful word. It means to bring together again. It means to bring together again. And it refers to two parties that were in hostility with one another, and they are now restored to peace and brought together again. Do you know the only other place, the only other relationship that this word reconciled in the New Testament is used of is marriage? In 1 Corinthians 7, and there the Bible says if a husband and wife separate, and then they come back together, they are reconciled. The only other relationship that this word is used of in the New Testament. Um, I, I know uh, about a man who came to a pastor I know, and he blurted out these words to his pastor. He said, my wife and I need a recancellation. My wife and I need a recancellation. Now he meant reconciliation, didn't he? He totally mangled the word, all right? Totally mangled it. But did he not have the right idea? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He and his wife had sinned against each other. And there could be no peace until those sins were canceled. By the way, how many have ever needed a recancellation with your spouse? Yeah. And because Christ 
canceled the condemnation that we deserved, we now can have peace with God. Which leads to a question, doesn't it? Have you and God had a recancellation? Have you? Have you come to the foot of the cross? Has the hostility between you and God been removed? And because of repentance from your sins and trust in what Christ has done, have you now been reconciled to God in a relationship with peace? Isn't that the most wonderful relationship anyone can have? Yes, it is. And it's where the Christian life starts when Christ reconciles us to God. But now we want to back up. And we want to see that there's not only a vertical reconciliation, but there is a horizontal reconciliation. Christ has reconciled believers to each other in the church. And I now want you to notice the first use of the word hostility in verse 14. Look at that verse. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He's describing there the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were not part of the chosen people of God, the Jews literally hated them. One other aspect of this law of commandments expressed in ordinances in verse 15 has to do with the Old Testament ceremonies. And you know as well as I do, the Jews had no interest in those ceremonies. Or the Gentiles, excuse me. Uh, the vast majority were not circumcised. Uh, they did not keep the Sabbath. They didn't keep the feasts like the Passover and the other rituals. And so this created a dividing wall of hostility. Do you know Paul here is probably referring to a literal wall in the temple in ancient Israel in the first century? It's interesting, in 1871, a white limestone tablet from the Jerusalem temple was unearthed with Greek written on it. Now I want you to think about this. It had been buried in the rubble for 1,800 years. And finally, it's unearthed. And here's what the inscription said to all the Gentiles. Here's what it said. No foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure round the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Now think about what the Jews were saying. You Gentiles... You can only come so far and no further. And if you go beyond this wall, we will kill you. That's hate, isn't it? That's hate. By the way, have the Gentiles returned the hatred against the Jews? Have they? In 1976, I moved to Chicago to attend the Moody Bible Institute. That fall, the Ku Klux Klan held a march against the Jews in Skokie, Illinois. 
complete with white robes and the whole nine yards. And when I saw it on the news that evening, I could not believe my eyes. Skokie is one of the most peaceful places in all of Chicago. In fact, just ask Pastor Hank. Remember Pastor Hank, you and I got lost there. Remember that? And I, I, I think it was my fault rather than Pastor Hank's fault, but we got lost there. And that's one of the most peaceful places in all of Chicago. And as I watched the Klan rallying against the Jews, I thought, what have the Jews done to the Klan? That they would hate them so much. You see, in Paul's day, it was the Jews who hated the Gentiles. Today, anti-Semitism from the Gentiles against the Jews is rife. And by the way, that hatred is only one example of many, isn't it? You know what the Bible says about us in our natural condition? The Bible says that we are being hated and hating. That's our natural condition. Hating and being hated. The Croats and the Serbs have hated one another. The Hutu and the Tutu have hated one another. The Quiche and the Spanish have hated one another. The North and the South have hated one another. The Russians and the Americans have hated one another. We've all heard this old statement. I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. We've all heard that, right? I'll never forget when the Russian team came to play NMU. Some of you might have been there. What elegant skaters they were. It was just a joy to watch these Russian skaters skating up and down the rink, and then they lost the game. NMU triumphed. And one of those Russians was so angry, he was fighting angry, he wanted to fight, and I'll never forget how they had to escort him off of the ice. You see, that's the human condition, hating and being hated. What's the solution? Who has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility? You tell me, what does the passage say? It is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. In fact, did you notice what it says about him? He is our peace, verse 14. He made peace, verse 15. He preached peace, verse 17. Because the law was fulfilled and he took its penalty, he abolished it according to verse 15. That's a very interesting word. The word abolished there is a legal term. It means it is no longer a controlling regulator anymore. The law of Moses is no longer our controlling regulator anymore. The penalty has been canceled. The ceremonies have found their end in Christ. And now he is the controlling regulator of his people. That's this wonderful, wonderful news. And when the hostility with God is over, it means the hostility with his people is also over. Did you notice the repetition of the word one in the passage? Did you see that? 
In the church, we are both one, verse 14. We are one new man, verse 15. We are one body, verse 16. And in verse 18, we have one spirit. By the way, this phrase, one new man, in verse 15, it is a very unique description of the church. Normally when we talk about the new self or the new person, we're talking about the individual believer. So we read, if anyone be in Christ, that person is a new creation. But now we come here and the church is described as one new man. By the way, doesn't that make sense? If a collection of individuals have been made new and reconciled to each other, then isn't the church been made new? What's the answer? Of course it is. This is why down through the centuries, Christians have referred to the church as the new humanity. The church has been called the new humanity. Justin Martyr, early in the second century, said the church is the new humanity. Clement of Alexandria, later in the second century, called Christians the one race of the saved people. And in our day, Ben Patterson, Bible teacher and Christian chaplain, said this, God gave us his son not that we might become better people, but that we might become the new humanity. God gave us his son not just simply to patch us up, but that he might make us new and then make us a part of his church, which is the new humanity. In the Old Testament, there were only two races. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. That's all there was. Now there is a third community, Christians, who are the new race, the race of the saved people. And because we are a new race, I want you to think about this, the barriers that divided the old race, they're all broken down. They're all broken down. Let me ask you to think with me for just a moment. Who do you suppose said the following words that I'm going to read to you? You think in your mind, who is the person who has said these words? It is a terrible mess, this whole situation. And if it can be cleaned up ever at all, it will only be the church and church people who will be able to do it. It will have to be done by dedicated Christians of understanding. Who do you suppose said those words? You ready? Jackie Robinson. Preach those in a Christian pulpit. In 1967, while there were race riots all over America, and what he said then and what his confidence was then is true today. And if you have been around the church for very long, you've experienced this. 
as I have many times in my life. I'll never forget one night I was walking home on Chicago Avenue to my dormitory and a black man stopped me and asked me to help him. I offered to help him, but not in the way that he wanted to be helped. And a friend of his came over next to me and acted very friendly towards me and then sucker punched me. I have never been so shocked over one event in my life. It was a roundhouse right to the face. And I believe that God, it's one of those few times in my life, just reached down and protected me. I was able to escape and run back to my dormitory room, and when I looked in the mirror, all I had was just a little swelling here in my cheekbone. Guess who's the first person I told? Another black man. And he comforted me and encouraged me. He was one of my dorm mates at the Bible College. And I will never forget John Adkins. And I want to ask you this morning, what made the difference? Well, the first man belonged to the old humanity. That's full of hate, isn't it? Second man belonged to the new humanity. That's full of love. The first man hated me because I'm white. Second man loved me, even though I'm white. First man was not reconciled to God, and therefore not reconciled to believers, and therefore filled with hate. But the second man was reconciled to God, and reconciled to believers. And therefore I was his brother in Christ, and therefore he loved me. And I loved him. Brothers and sisters, that's the new humanity. That's why the church is so special. You see, our vertical relationship with God has led to a horizontal relationship with each other. And we are now a new race. The race of the saved. Amen this morning? Amen. Let's bow our heads together and let's thank the Lord. Just before I pray and we close out our service with a very special song, I have two questions for you and those that are watching online. Have you had that recancellation with God? Have you come to the foot of the cross? Have you, by repentance and faith, had the hostility removed? And now are you reconciled with God? And He is your Father, no longer your judge. Listen, you can come to Him today in that very way. And those of you that are watching online, if you have any questions about that, call us. We would love to help you. But then I want to ask that second question. Do you understand how special the church is? 
And do you recognize that you've been reconciled to your brothers and sisters in Christ? And God's intention for you is not to be a lone ranger Christian. He does not want you to be an island alone. But he wants you to be connected with his people in the fellowship of a local church whereby you can represent him to a watching world. Jackie Robinson was right. It will have to be done by dedicated Christians of understanding. May we be those Christians in this place, in this city, in this country, in this world. Father, we can hardly take all this in. It is such a marvelous and wonderful relationship you have brought us into. And today, all we can do is come. As our missionary, Cindy White, said, God invites us to come and then Jesus will do the cleaning up. He will do the changing. He's the one that will bring about the reconciliation. Lord, we all know as we watch the evening news, these are troubled times. It's as though it's 1967 all over again, only worse. And we know that it is the people of God and the work of God through the church that will make all the difference because only he can bring people together. How we love you and thank you and praise you for Jesus' sake. Amen.